And that's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. The ability of CO2 to do the heavy work of creating a climate catastrophe is almost nil at this point. The price of oil has been artificially elevated to the point of insanity. That's not how you power a modern industrial system. The ultimate goal of this renewable energy you know, plan is to reach the exact same point that we're at now. You know who's tried that? Germany. Seven straight days of no wind for Germany. Uh, their factories are shutting down. They really do act like weather didn't happen prior to like 1910. Today is Friday. All right. Today is Friday. That's right, Greta. Hello and welcome to Climate Change Roundtable. Broadcasting live every Friday to talk about the topical events of the week that are just insane related to climate change and the science behind the entire issue. Joining me today is the usual squad, except for Steve Malloy. Steve Alert turns to the show to discuss the protests that are sweeping across the nation. We kind of thought you'd be the perfect guy to have on just to discuss, you know, all the junk science out there, which is Steve's website and Twitter account. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Anthony Watts. Anthony returning as usual. How's your day going? I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, just how you doing, Anthony? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you mentioned um, we talk about the crazy events of the week, you know, yeah. on Friday and the science behind it. Yeah. Well, sometimes there's no science behind it <laughs> at all. And this week in particular. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, well, this will be known as the infamous glue episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, what was the title we have for this? I loved it so much, whatever it was. And Linnea, Linnea, good to have you on as usual. They know not what they glue. They know not what they glue. That is... <laughs> was that your was that your suggestion? I can't remember you or no. Donnie? It was a it was a collaboration okay. effort between Donnie and I. It's some good but stuff. But yeah, <laughs> <They> we're, <laughs> we're having fun with that one. No, it's been it's been an interesting week online, and it's been a really fun morning on Twitter. Yeah, right. It's I I mean I actually haven't paid too much uh, attention to Twitter. I heard that Michael Mann is almost distancing himself from uh, this movement. Then I went to yeah. Michael Mann's Twitter. The Guardian too. The, the Guardian? Guardian? Yes, The Guardian had an article also basically saying this is counterproductive. And they're right. I mean, uh, me agreeing with The Guardian, that's like epic. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, actually, so I read a, a, an article from The New York Times this morning on this issue as well. I'll actually go ahead and pull it up on screen here. But you can see to a degree that the, the insanity of this movement is, is passing what even the corporate media is willing to uh, cheer for. Um, Steve, you're, you're on with uh, Fox News all the time. I, I see your videos. You post them on Twitter. Um, you've, I'm sure you've been tracking these protests across Europe. What, what's what's your opinion on just all of this? Is is the climate alarmist movement just going so far that that it's now reaching a point where even the mainstream or corporate media just can't can't uh, support it? Well, I think what's interesting about it is that uh, you know it's obviously very stupid to glue yourself to priceless artwork and then think that you know the public is going to embrace you. But, you know, these, these same people have caused a lot more harm over the last 20 years than just gluing themselves to priceless artwork, right? I mean, I would argue that what's going on in Ukraine right now uh, is really the product of what I like to call climate idiocy. Uh, Europe embraced it. They started getting rid of uh, their coal plants and their natural gas plants. They enriched and empowered Putin. Uh, and as a result, and when he had them over a barrel, then he invaded Ukraine. And so here we are. And then, of course, you throw in Joe Biden and his anti-fossil fuel policies. And these things are, you know, this is that those are very serious. I mean, you know, it's one thing to glue yourself to a painting, which is awful, especially a priceless, you know, Vermeer or whatever. 
and that that definitely deserves appropriate. But I mean, let's not lose uh, sight of the larger picture. These people are are working on destroying the world. You know, Putin's yeah. threat nuclear weapons, and this all started and made possible by climate. Yeah, Anthony Lynette, do you have anything to say to what uh, Steve just said? Well, um, you know, the thing that strikes me about this is that uh, these, these climate protesters have become villains, essentially, now on both sides of the yeah. aisle. I mean, you know, the left is kind of like, well, they're not quite villains, but, you know, on the right, they look like supervillains to yeah. us. So I was thinking about the analogy the other day with Star Trek, where we had Klingons, you know, which was always a funny name, Klingon to something. Well, now we have gluons, right? You know, I like that. That was a, that was pretty creative. We'll just just label this whole group as as gluons. You know, yeah. You know, you said the right views them as supervillains. Uh, I gotta say, this is just stop oil. It's hard to look at these two and think like that's a supervillain. You know, just with the pink hair and all. But if, I get well, where you're coming from. But, our, but, uh, their superpower is stupidity. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, now maybe now we can look at them as supervillains. So just to give uh, everyone watching a little bit of background information here, I'm reading from the New York Times. This article is, How far is too far in the fight against climate change? Climate protesters threw tomato soup on a Van Gogh painting. Were their actions reckless and counterproductive, or were they justified in the face of a climate emergency? So obviously this entire article from the New York Times is, is framed in a way like the climate emergency is coming and agreed upon just like how far are we willing to go to get people to worry about it which if you truly think it's going to be a catastrophe I would say you're justified but and if you don't argue you're justified I would argue that you don't think it's truly a catastrophe but all right so going to the article how concerned are you about climate change do you think enough is being done to stop it have you ever taken any actions big or small to protect the environment and address climate change in recent months climate activists in Europe have glued themselves to painting by Picasso and Botticelli thrown mashed potatoes on a Monet, and tossed tomato soup on a Van Gogh. After tossing the soup, one activist challenged onlookers, what is worth more, art or life? Um, so the paper kind of doesn't, or this article never takes true hard of, that hard of a stance on it, but it does continue to say like, yeah, the climate emergency is here. We need to take action now to prevent further damage, which uh, that that's the entire premise of that is that climate change is the reason we have any damage at all. Um, Steve, when they're using weather, I mean, they'll use the hurricane that recently uh, swept through Florida as an example that climate change is getting worse and we're we're seeing more extreme weather events. Um, is there any validity to that statement? <laughs> well, no. I mean, look, it was a hurricane in hurricane season. Yeah. Hey, isn't that what you expect them? And of course, it's been a quiet, a relatively quiet hurricane season. I mean, there wasn't a named storm yeah. through August, which is the first time that's happened in decades, literally decades. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't really see how they can say that there's a human fingerprint to that. And, you know, when you think about it, even their human fingerprint stuff is nonsense because they'll say, oh, well, you know, it, it intensified the storm by 4% yeah. or so. Well, you know, if you've got a 12-foot storm surge and you're saying that, you know, it increased the surge by maybe a couple inches, well, that's not really much of an argument against the storm surge now, is it? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and of course, none of their claims can can be shown to be true. You know, the, the latest one, I think they've given up on the notion that hurricanes are becoming more frequent or that, you know, storms are becoming stronger. And now that it, their argument is that they intensify more quickly. Of course, there's no data for that. Right. You can't. There's yeah. no way to. It's just it's just the latest uh, myth that they're going to try to surf until they can get what they want. Yeah. Um uh, so I don't know if you guys have seen this. Uh, I know you have, Anthony, but 
the climate activists glued themselves to the floor of a Porsche dealership. This is personally my favorite of yeah, all yeah. of these. By far, it's the best one. Okay, so yeah, we're all we're all ready for this. All right, um, so so I I pulled up something here, but just to give people a sense of what's going on, uh, these climate activists who and they are just is it just Stop Oil the group name? I I can right. never remember. They're also wearing Extinction Rebelling logos. Uh, you can are they? see okay. there. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously some young people, but they went to a Porsche dealership um, somewhere in Europe, in the UK, yeah, glued themselves to the floor and then had a list of demands, which they put on their Twitter, actually, I'll pull that up in a second, uh, of things that they wanted before, you know, they were willing to leave. Now, the playbook across Europe when this happens has been for the police to get called, for the processors to be removed, whatever, and then they, they hope to get media attention. This story was funnier than the rest of them, in my opinion, because Porsche did the exact opposite. They're like, okay, stay. They didn't call the police. They just turned off the lights, turned off the heat. And we're like, we're going to go home, have fun. And uh, they just left him there. And the protesters were furious. They're like, well, they didn't provide us the, the well, they asked for like a bowl to, to, to pee and, you know, poo, to, to defecate, whatever words you want to use. And, they, and then they were mad that like security was shining lights in their eyes at night. Like, what, well, what do you expect? Um, it's not like this business owes you anything. And they were mad that, uh, they didn't have the ability to get food delivered to them, uh, which which is just like, how entitled are you if you think you can? Yeah, just, you, you they, would think uh, they would, they would have yeah. thought this and got depends or something, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is something that's really common, though, for the Western, you know, activists, college age or graduate student age activists. Yeah. What they anticipate is that they're going to call the cops. They're going to get a good photo op of being walked away by police officers and put into a car. And then yeah. they get bailed out immediately because the bail money is part of the deal when they sign on to doing these protests. This mm -hmm. isn't like people spontaneously doing this. This is coordinated. They have people set up in advance saying, we're going to get you out of jail when they bring you to jail. It's all part of the plan, which is why none of these kids ever look scared when yeah. a police officer comes to take them away. They know that they're going to be fine. So it yeah. is really satisfying to see it go wrong for them. <laughs> Just this minor way. You get left overnight at a car dealership. Yeah. If it were me uh, and I ran that car dealership, not only would I, you know, <laughs> let them stay, turn out the lights, walk away and not give them potty balls. I would provide them with some entertaining <laughs> music, you know, because yeah. Linnea says the cops are going to come take them away. Well, uh, I sent you, Andy, a yeah. clip of, a, of an old 60s song. I think it would be perfect to run this 24-7, 365 overnight, you know, to keep them entertained while uh while they're doing all that yeah you know? so so i'm gonna play that in just one moment but for for our viewers we did yesterday kind of anthony and i were going back and forth on just like what's the what song would we play for for the protesters you know because you know they want food they want water like let's give them a source of entertainment entertainment let's give them some music so um I'll, I'll play all of ours we all of us on the show did provide a song that we thought would be the greatest thing we could play for them on repeat until they just decided they were done and would leave on their own. But if you all have any suggestions, yeah, in the comments, let us know. What do you think would be the worst thing you could possibly play for him? Uh, I think Anthony's that he sent me yesterday is the worst thing you could possibly play for them. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and just, with these protesters. I was like driving home, listening to this in my car, just trying not to go crazy. Um, okay, here it is. Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I go berserk? <laughs> we'll only play a well, second to this. Don't worry, everyone. Well, you me anyhow, and then the days got worse and worse, and now you see I've gone completely out of it's my like mind. It's like a too. And 
They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, haha. All right, all right, I gotta end it there. Um, I just, I don't think I could make it past 15 minutes of playing that song on repeat. I, I literally think I would go insane. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get to more of our songs too, but I just wanted to get that one out of the way first. But yeah, it, it is insane that these people think like they can just go and glue themselves to the, man, I'm still, I'm still like, my mind's just on that song and just how horrible. Well, you know, yeah, well, yeah Ray, it's a great point. I mean, this is all real coordinated and there's real money behind mm-hmm. all these people because they're all getting bailed out. And I mean, you know, I'm a lawyer. The word for this is conspiracy. And, um, you know, now, in addition to gluing themselves everywhere, uh, they're going around the UK, just stop oil and uh, spray painting buildings, orange. They did Rolex, I think, yesterday, the day before they went to where the Global Warming Policy Foundation, you know, sort of a sister ally organization of ours. They sprayed them orange before, you know, it was it, it, it's just always something. And, and all this vandalism and vandalism is a crime. It's not civil disobedience. It's vandalism. And it's all funded. They're getting out of jail. I think it's a conspiracy. And, you know, the UK police uh, mm-hmm. should, should arrest the leadership or the funders behind Just Stop Oil because it's a conspiracy. Yeah, you know, we, we have a little information on that. Uh, this was on What's Up With That, Anthony. So I'll hand it to you to discuss this um, just while I get it up on screen here. But but everything you're saying is absolutely true, Steve. There, there is funding behind this. It's not just a grassroots organization. Uh, Anthony, do you want to jump in and just kind of explain what you found here related to funding of this of just call it, or stop oil? Yeah, yeah. And so these climate protesters are out there protesting, you know, oil. They're, they've gone from extinction rebellion to just stop oil. That's the latest, you know, meme they have. And uh, cartoonist in the UK that I work with on a regular basis, Josh. Basically, uh, he, he discovered and forwarded to me an article that pointed out that these these uh, Just Stop Oil people are being funded by the Getty Oil Harris. Uh, yeah. I mean, this lady, Eileen Getty, gave them 800,000 pounds, approximately a million dollars U.S. to go do this stuff. And this is why they're able to, you know, go buy climbing gear to scale bridges and shut down traffic. And it's why they're able to bail themselves out of jail and all these other things. And what's crazy about it is that this woman is rich because of her grandfather, J. Mm-hmm. Paul Getty, who had all of this oil money from, you know, his work with the Getty Oil Company. And so basically it, she's using the oil money to fund oil protests. The other strange thing about it is, is that there's a fantastic art museum in Los Angeles, you know, mm-hmm. the Getty Museum. One of the yeah. greatest art galleries in the world. So I'm wondering to myself, what is this? Is this some kind of a way to get rid of other art galleries? You know, some <laughs> kind of a false flag or something? It's I mean, not even about this. It's nuts. <laughs> it, yeah. It's nuts beyond the, the craziest thing you can think of. Yeah. Well, in addition to, you know, the Getty heirs, there's also the Rockefeller heirs. You know, the Rockefeller mm-hmm. Foundation, uh, you know, John D. Rockefeller, uh, Exxon, Mobil, uh, Amico, you know, his, his whole Standard Oil empire. Uh, you know, they've been at the Exxon Mobil shareholder meeting for, well, since I started doing it in 2005, protesting against Exxon Mobil and wanting Exxon Mobil to get out of the oil business. Of course, ironically, today Exxon Mobil just had record earnings thanks to the, yeah. uh, you know, climate ADC caused energy crisis. Um, 
But it's it's bizarre how you have all these oil uh, tycoon heirs uh, campaigning against oil when it's it's what's funded them to start with and has done much good for the world otherwise. Yeah. Linnea, do you have anything to add to that statement? No, I just really like our comment section. Uh, I know. Suggestions. I like tiptoe through the tulips. That would be. Oh, someone suggested would, tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah, that was Bo Gus at 1213. <laughs> he suggested that. That, Yeah, mm -hmm, that would do That's it good. for me. I, uh, Jim <laughs> says that he would uh, saw his own hand off to get away from Monster I know, Rash. I saw that one. That was pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, it, it looks like someone may have actually uh, suggested the song that, Steve, you sent me this morning. Um, I'll quickly just throw it up so we can get one more for the. For the viewers, this is Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, who suggested this also? It came from um, uh, Bo Gus. Bo, Steve, you both, you both had good recommendations here. Stuck on <laughs> you. Oh, man. Got this feeling down when those... deep in the soul that I just yeah. can't lose. When those protesters don't get any of the food and water they thought would be provided to them and listen to Stuck On You for the 50th time, you might think that they would like some sort of solvent so they can just get out of that misery. Maybe situation. they would just, maybe they would really sit down and they'd have a lot of time to think about <laughs> their position. Well, you know, and look, uh, unlike, you know, Andy and Linnea who are on the young side, uh, <laughs> I lived through the 80s and I remember this. Yeah. This is torture. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Fortunately, this song's not played much for me. I haven't. I'm not too knowledgeable. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, let's see. Private chat. Uh, Anthony, I'll let me pull up what you sent me. One second. Mobile pumpkin spice. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, if we just simply flavored the oil, maybe they wouldn't protest against it so much. <laughs> <That's> actually... <laughs> oh man, that's good. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I think we, we should also point out that these priceless artworks they've been gluing themselves to, yeah. um, you know, they're protected by, fortunately, by museum glass, which is uh, yeah. made from fossil fuels. I hope that's yeah. a, that that's the case in all of them. I was a little bit worried when I saw the guy gluing his head to the pearl earring painting. Yeah, I saw I that. Like, that. It didn't really look like glass. 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 Okay, good. Glass. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did mention earlier that Extinction Rebellion actually, at when they, or not Extinction Rebellion, uh, Just Got Oil tweeted out a list of demands when they did this Porsche stunt. So here's uh, the Twitter thread that they put out from sci or Scientist Rebellion. We have occupied the Porsche pavilion of the Volkswagen Car Museum for more than 21 hours. We've sent our demands to the CEO of Volkswagen. I mean, that's a, that's, they're shooting high right off the get-go. One, come to us in front of the press and hear our demands. Uh, which is why this move by Porsche is just so funny that they were just like, no, we're just going to turn off the lights and leave. I mean, it blew up the entire purpose of the stunt Two, sign our petition, including the public declaration that 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius is unachievable. Three, issue a public statement supporting our transport demands, namely to introduce a speed limit of 100 kilometers per hour on motorways. I think that's like 62 miles per hour or something. So it's not like 69. 69. OK, it's not the highest, you know speed limit ever um, or, no i'm sorry 61 61 got it yeah uh and then reintroduce the nine uh pound ticket and speed up the decarbonization of the volkswagen plants four waive the interest payments and cancel the debt that is owed to volkswagen by the global south and most affected people in areas by the climate emergency and five pressure the government to comply with our demands is this just eco-terrorism at that point i mean the fifth number five reads literally like eco-terrorism anyone 
yeah. I mean, <laughs> they've, they've done this. They do this kind of stuff, but they've done a lot worse in the past. Um, yeah. I remember. Well, no, that's a good point. I mean, eco-terrorism to me means tree spiking and, yeah. you know, serious, serious vandalism. Yeah. And of course, you guys are way far away from, like, you know, PLO, ISIS-type terrorism, which is mm -hmm. a good thing. I, I, you know, hopefully they won't go that far. Uh, yeah. This is more a circus than anything else. True. If eco-terrorism at least says that you're you're doing something that's not just comical, I guess. Um, but the the actual the comical part about this is the follow-up tweet, which is they denied us food and cut off electricity, heating, and the lights. However, we carry on with our civil resistance to the car industry, blocking the climate action we so desperately need. It's just like, oh man, it's just. Well, no, you know, if they were really serious about this, where would they go? They would go to China. Yeah. Right? Oh, I mean, yeah. China has twenty-five percent of global emissions. You know, uh, Germany could fall off the face of the earth. The UK could fall off the face of the earth, and mm -hmm. way more than ninety percent of global emissions are still going to happen. So they're really, you know, what are they accomplishing? Nothing. Yeah. Um, absolutely nothing. And at the same, like, they, these people don't have the, I don't know, courage to go do this in China because China's not going to just. They're gonna, there's going to be like a real response to you if you do it there. It's not going to be like, a, we're just going to turn the lights off. It's like, we're going to forcibly remove you and we're not going to wait for the doctor to get here who has a solvent. Yeah, China, <laughs> they'll turn their lights off. Yeah, right. Oh, man, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. One sec. I'm just uh, going back to the. OK, so uh, also this week, we thought we'd talk about why these people have um, ended up the way they are. And that relates to the. <laughs> just incredible education system we currently have in America and across the world. So we have this video, I think it came from you, Anthony, of a Texas A&M professor. So not just like a random guy. Hi, students. Oh, whoops, let me get started um, playing. Let me, uh, let me pause that this real quick. Addresses a All right, yep. yes, Andrew Desler. Yep, so a he's real kind Texas of like, he's professor. like the alter ego of Michael Mann. Ooh, that sounds, that's a great way to, to, <laughs> to start this. But yeah, so this is a, a video he sent all of his students. Um, I'm not going to talk more about it. Let's just play it and see why our students are the way they are. Hi, students. Want to um, do a short video that addresses a statement you often hear by people who are climate contrarians. That is that the science tells us that there's no climate emergency. Um, now, that's wrong. Okay. But it may be wrong for a different reason you think. It's not wrong because the science tells us there is a climate emergency. Rather, it's wrong because science can't tell you if something is a crisis or an emergency. If you guys have any want to comment at any point, just tell me. I'll pause the video and jump in, just FYI. Uh, crisis or emergency uh, are not scientific terms. There's no scientific test you can do to tell whether something's a crisis or an emergency. It's really a value judgment. And uh, one analogy I like to use is imagine mm -hmm. you're trying to decide if you should go skydiving or not. Now, we can look at the statistics, the facts, and they will tell you that your chance of dying if you go skydiving is something like one in 400,000, give or take. Um, but that doesn't tell you whether you should do it or not. And whether you should go skydiving, whether the risk is too great, is a judgment you have to make. Some people will look at that and say, that's too risky. Uh, I just wouldn't enjoy it. And so I'm not going to take the risk. Other people would say, oh, it's totally worth the risk because of how much they would enjoy it. And when you look at climate change, there are things that science can tell us. It'll tell us we're going to get more severe heat waves, more severe extreme precipitation events. It's going to drive sea level rise. It's going to drive more damaging hurricanes, oceanification. And, and that's what the science tells us. Now, it doesn't tell us if that's a crisis or emergency. You might look at that and say, um, you know, 
it's it's not you know who cares i'll be fine i don't really care about poor people or future generations um but uh it is completely reasonable to look at this and conclude that climate change is an emergency in fact i certainly do so if anyone ever tells you the science uh, tells us that there's not a climate emergency, you need to point out to them that that's a nonsense statement. Science can't ever tell you that. And that, but if you do look at the science, it's absolutely reasonable to conclude it is an emergency. Thanks. Howdy, students. Uh, okay. Can you, to, back, um, up? Can you yeah. back up a little bit just so it shows that uh, bullet the list. point list? Yeah, for sure. That's uh, let, let me just pause this. Further. There we go. Yep. I'm going to make right. sure we get the whole thing. There we go. And maybe you can expand that a little bit so our readers can see it. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay, uh, perfect, perfect. Great. So, so more severe heat. I'm going to address every one of these points because Desler is living in a fantasy world. He's absolutely, the word wrong is about him, not about his position. It's about him and his belief system. More severe here, more severe heat waves. No, that's not happened. And there's a fight going on to get rid of a graph on the EPA website that shows that the heat wave index for the United States peaked during the Dust Bowl period of the 1930s and has not been repeated since. We have not been getting more severe heat waves. In fact, if you look at high temperatures in the United States over the last 100 years, it's essentially flat. All the gain in temperature has been in the overnight low temperature, number one. So more severe heat waves, not happening. Number two, more extreme precipitation events, also not happening. The IPCC, when they came out with their most recent report, AR6, they said it, there's no connection to it. They can't see a connection. It's sea level rise. Well, sea level rise has been going on for freaking ever. It's part of the rebound from the Little Ice Age, part of the rebound going on from, from um, changes in geologic situations. For example, in Baltimore, Maryland, they're talking about sea level rise inundating the streets over there. Well, what's really going on is that, you know, a couple million years ago, there was a, a meteor that hit there and it fractured all the granite and there's subsidence going on. And so the water level's going up more in Baltimore because of the subsidence. Same thing in Miami. They're withdrawing water from the water table. They, there's subsidence going on. Sea level rise isn't a, isn't a crisis. We, are, we have managed sea level rise for millennia. New York and Boston, very old cities. Uh, London with the Thames. All of them have managed sea level rise over a period of time. And so... Um, we have uh, more damaging hurricanes. Well, duh, why? Because more people are building big giant condos and houses next to the coastlines where the hurricanes sit. That's why there's more damage. You look at what goes on 100 years ago and some of the photos of hurricanes that went through those places, there was hardly any housing. Now we've got megaplexes of hotels and condos and uh, HOAs and all this other stuff. That's why there's more damage, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's more hurricane. If you look at Ryan Moss, Dr. Ryan Moss data, there is no increase in the frequency of hurricane whatsoever. Zilch, none, nada. It's not there. It's just wrong. Desler is wrong. And ocean acidification, oh, please. This is the model. It's not measured. And there's a paper that says, We've modeled this. It's supposed to be happening, but they don't have 100 years of ocean acidity measurements. They don't exist. Yeah. It's all well, fantasy. Right. Yes. Sorry. So, yeah. I, I got started. <laughs> no, I love it. It's great. <laughs> I got triggered. You're, you're great, Anthony. So my fundamental problem with what Dessler just said is that he says science is a value judgment. And, and that, yeah. that is the problem with climate alarmism um, and, and climate science generally. You know, science is a process we use to study the natural world. And the way we do that is we come up with ideas called hypotheses, and then we test them against the real world. 
and you know see how the results came out and go back and modify our hypotheses and, and keep testing them until we can actually make predictions. And in, in climate science, we don't have any of that. We have, you know, we have the model is the what what passes as climate science, and a model is nothing but a prediction. Yep. And and the predictions go out 10, 20, 40, 100, 200, and more years. Obviously, I mean, those are unfalsifiable assumptions. You can't test them yeah. by science. None of us are going to live that long. And yet, you know, these guys call these models scientists, you know, IPC, IPCC and all and the climate models drive all this policy. None of it has ever come true. None of it can be tested in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, yeah, so, so they've, dis- they've wrecked science into this more value judgment. If you believe it, you know, that's your value. And if you believe it, then it's true and it's science. And that's, that's completely false. Yeah. When I was watching that, uh, the entire premise that like, can science indicate to us that this is a catastrophe? Catastrophe is a word that is like, as you're saying, a value judgment. It's not a scientific term in and of you itself. Must just, you must just hate poor people, Andy. I mean, yeah, obviously, but I'm still allowed <laughs> I did it. laugh when he said that. That was pretty funny. I don't right. know if he meant for it to come off as so like straw man cartoonish, but it's <laughs> probably swear. not. Uh, there's a question in here, which I thought one of you might want to just uh, actually take on. Let me. So uh, this is from Catherine Burke. Have these hockey stick models been tested against what has happened? Um, do any of you want to jump and take this one? Well, we just talked about it. I mean, yeah. no, no climate model works. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they, they can put together, they can cherry pick climate models and say, well, these work best, but they're really just, I mean, it's post hoc cherry picking. Yeah. They don't work. They, they can't predict anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and not only can they not predict like average temperature, but then they try to predict, um, you know, futures, future storm events. Of course, the models don't work. Just can't even predict a simple thing of, of temperature. Um, because you know, I've been on this show before and we talked about all the different factors that don't, that are missing from climate models. We really don't understand the atmosphere entirely. Yeah. Uh, it's not this closed system. There's all sorts of events going on that we don't really understand. And so the models don't work. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that, that's that. Uh, continuing with the whole education theme here, we have an article from, let me pull it up. Real clear wire, doubt free America's schools warm to climate activism. So this is from uh, Steve Miller, and this article basically says, well, just reading from it, public school districts are adopting curricula on climate change from well-funded progressive groups casting the issue as a threat to life on the planet that students should respond to through activism, because teaching activism is the point of school. As of fall 2020, 29 states in the District of Columbia have adopted standards that require science classes to teach human-caused climate change um, as a peril beyond dispute. According to K-12 Climate Action, a group that is part, according to whatever, K-12 Climate Action, a group that is part of the Progressive Aspen Institute, the school districts often rely on information provided by advocacy groups, including the Sierra Club and the U.S. Green Building Council. A Sierra Club teaching toolkit signals a wide purpose across subject areas, the why and the how of moving our entire society to 100% clean energy and for fighting climate change more broadly can be woven into many subject areas, including biology, chemistry, physics, and even social studies. I've said this many times, but the reason I got into this whole debate is that on a social studies exam in high school, my teacher just had a question that said, like, denying climate change is akin to denying the Holocaust. And just like sitting there in a class, it's like, wow, this is really far from the like ancient Greek history that this test was supposed to be on. And suddenly I'm, I have to make these judgments that like, are well, I'm Jewish. Like, I'm just looking at that. It's insane. But uh, so, yeah, yeah, to go in, let yeah. it this hits me hard too, because my seventh grade, basically my teachers, I had two teachers for all of my courses in seventh grade. Yeah. Um, I went to a 
pretty good public school, actually. Um, And they basically hijacked our entire education and every single class that we had, they tied it to climate change somehow. Whether it was our like science or social studies or math or whatever it was, they, they brought it up in every single class we were being taught. And so it was some kind of like a climate education pilot that I certainly didn't sign up for. And I'm pretty sure my parents didn't sign me up for. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I have always felt that I was absolutely robbed by that. I did well in school, but I definitely think that my education suffered for, um, having been forced into the situation where my entire curriculum was designed around climate stuff that was incorrect. So basically I lost an entire year of school to nonsense. Yeah. I mean, an inconvenient truth was a video we were showing like, Hey, here's your science class for the week or something. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we watched that in school. Uh, Steve, I know you're, I mean, you're prominent in this whole movement. Like you're a known figure. Do you ever get just random like hate mail from high school or just younger (laughs) people that are like, you're dooming the earth. Like my generation's going to die. I don't know. Anthony, do you ever get it with what's up with that? I'm just out of curiosity. I thought I'd ask. I've gotten, I've been doing uh, junk science for 25 years. I've been getting hate mail for that long. So uh, I just, you know, disregard it. It's yeah. people are invariably crazy. Even, yeah. you know, you just show that clip of Andrew Dessler. You know, I've gotten into fights with like the Washington Post uh, Capital Weather Gang. Um, mm-hmm. And so they'll go to Andrew Dessler and ask him, well, what's the real climate science? So we got into an argument about, you know, the 19, the, the warmth in the 1930s. And um, as compared to today, you know, the 1930s were warmer than it is today. Yeah. And Tesla just writes off the 30s by saying, oh, that was just a random climate event. It has no parallel. <laughs> I mean, we're just crazy. So that's a random climate event, but we can like pin random weather events to climate change. Right. No, just, he literally that, said that, a random climate, random weather event. Huh. That's, that's, that's crazy. Anthony, do you, do you get hate mail too sometimes? Oh, yeah. I've had a, more than a few. Uh, huh. I actually had one lady, some crazy lady from Grass Valley, California, show up in my office about uh, really? 2010. And she was absolutely convinced that I was part of a giant oil-driven conspiracy. And she was out <laughs> to prove it. She was out to prove it. And she showed up at my office and wanted me to sign this declaration what? that I am not taking any oil money and all this other stuff, you know? And she was just... And she didn't even own a car. And so she she... The uh, Grass Valley is like an hour and a half away from Chico when I was there. And uh, she took a bus, you know, uh, yeah. and, and it took her like five hours to get there, you know. <laughs> and um, anyway, but she was just she stalked a lot of people, including Dr. Judith Curry. She accused her of being on the take from Big Oil. Huh. And she, she wanted us to sign this rambling declaration. And it would have been fine if it was just simply said, I don't take any money from big oil. And that's all it said. But no, it had all this other verbiage in it that, you know, basically committed you to all kinds of crazy stuff. But (laughs) after she showed up and we went to the whole stocking thing, I had another guy in Canada uh, who said that he was going, he had some kind of dirt on me. I wouldn't tell me what it was. I don't know what it was. I don't have any (laughs) dirt, you know, but I'm going to expose this dirt on you if you don't do this. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and he kept harassing me and the moderator Charles for what's up with that. And uh, this went on for months, and I finally got tired of it. And I decided, yeah. okay, I'm going to show this guy that 
you know, you can't keep intimidating people. So I worked with the local police department. We contacted the Canadian police, his ISP. And nice. we the ISP said, we can't connect this guy to these email threats he's sending you through our ISP unless we can get an exact timestamp. So I created a honeypot for him. I, oh, no I, way. I said, okay, I've written up an, a, a, an admission of all of my guilt. You know, oh, and I put it over here on my website, and all you have to do is go take a look at it and tell me if that meets your standards, right? <laughs> and of course, this is not visible anywhere else to the web except in the URL I sent to his yeah. email, right? And so, yeah. like an idiot, he goes in there and and looked at that, yeah. and of course, I got him on my my server log, yeah. And I took the server log, sent it to the ISP. The ISP identified him, sent it to oh, the police, and the Canadian crazy. police showed up at his door the same day and said, "Stop this, or you're going to go to jail." So. <laughs> Oh my! Wait, that's actually a climate honeypot. Yeah. So, ever since I made that public on WhatsApp with that, I've gotten far less complaints because people know I'm not going to take crap from you. If you push against me with all kinds of crazy stuff, I'm going to push back twice as hard. Yeah. I'm absolutely clipping all of that and releasing it as an individual video because <laughs> that is that is just so incredible. I love that. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm 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 caught up in that story. Um. We're, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, the only hate mail I've gotten is a couple things that came into like our media account at Heartland that just says we're actively making the world worse or the comment section uh, after the, the, the live video. People don't seem to watch the live video that hate us. They just seem to come in and write essays, long things that they're clearly being paid to write after, which is always fun. Um, by the way, we're, we're always happy to take questions. So if you're watching live right now, feel free in the comment section to put down anything you want us, Steve, to answer and we'll get to it. Uh, at the end of the broadcast, let's see what we you got. Know, I, I got to say, you know, their most yeah. effective school has has not been threatening us; it's been trying to silence us. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, as today is the first full day of Elon Musk. I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. Yeah, uh, you know, we have all somehow miraculously most of us made it through uh, the censorship. I, I think Tony Heller is um, one person I can think of who was kicked off, and hopefully he'll be back on. Oh, they kicked him off. Okay. Yeah, uh, but generally speaking, I think most of us have made it through, which is incredible because I, you know I say wild stuff. Or it's not wild; it's <laughs> true. wild, wild for them. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Uh, I mean, you got to you got to incite conversation. Like you do it by by putting out the more. I, I consider myself a radical guy. Radical views. Um, also, just one thing that I have noticed: I track a lot of our social media numbers, and on October first. Uh, it's not like uh, the, the Heartland Institute Facebook account. It's not like we were banned or anything, but you can see that our post reach dropped like 70% on the first. And then the engagement levels with our posts dropped like, uh, you know, a, a huge amount. And, and but the number of followers we have continues to rise. So I can tell you right now that there's like just very obvious evidence that they're suppressing voices before the midterm okay. elections. Yeah. So, I mean, and to everyone watching this video, like, please it, do whatever you can to help push like this, this video out, like share. It really does help with the YouTube algorithms. And, and I can say like, I've seen direct evidence right now that they're doing everything they can to suppress uh, this type of conversation. So we, we, we need your help more than ever. That's the weekly uh, like, and subscribe, uh, you know, bit, but um, yeah, yeah. It, it, everything you say, um, it, you're right, Steve. Did Heartland ever find out who hacked the freedom pub? Um, I don't have an answer to that. Steve, you wild man. There you go. You got, you got a fan. <laughs> Gary, Steve. Um, we have a question here from um, Doug Troyer uh, who said, what about the ice caps here on Earth? Isn't the south one growing? Um, do any of you want to take a jump on that? Stab at that. 
Yeah, I'll take that. Um, yes, there was some significant growth in the south, uh, the the southern ice cap, the Antarctic ice cap, uh, that happened uh, around 2008 to around 2015. Now it's kind of just sort of holding its own. But what has not happened is any dramatic melting that they had predicted for it. And the the polar ice cap in the north, you know, the Arctic ice cap, they predicted, you know. Al Gore and a whole host of media clowns predicted it would disappear, you know, in 2013. And then when it dis didn't disappear in 2013, it would, it would be 2015. And oh, no, wait, it's 2018. That's what we meant. Well, mm -hmm. it hasn't disappeared. It has reached a new stable level, which started somewhere around 2007, where there was a big drop that year. But then it's kind of just hung around that new stable level. And the reason I believe is the industrialization of China and soot. Uh, mm -hmm. If you go look at um, some of the uh, meltwater ponds that are in the Greenland ice cap, you find all kinds of dark soot in these things. And this has been documented and scientific papers have been written about it. But the bottom line is, is that I believe that the darkening of the Arctic ice cap ice due to soot in the atmosphere, due to the industrialization of China and other places, has basically caused uh, a melting of the uh, into a new stable level. Uh, and then there's also some ocean current theories and other things. But the bottom line is it hasn't disappeared. And their models and their claims predicting that it would disappear are all flat wrong. Yeah. All right. But damn, Anthony, you always just have these really detailed answers to questions that come out of nowhere. It, you are such an asset for the show. I, I'm just I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, uh, Steve, you did bring up I, I actually wanted to briefly go back to what you said there with regards to like Elon Musk. Um, it is interesting right now just a watching. Uh, Twitter blue check marked explode, uh, saying how dangerous this is going to be and how it's going to uh, or it's going to threaten Twitter's ability to block misinformation. Love that Twitter's yeah. ability. Yeah. Um, have you noticed like how much do you feel that uh, Twitter's kind of been pushing back against your accounts with junk science? And have you noticed any shift uh, recently? I mean, well, there's not a lot of time yet. You know, so I'm kind of fortunate. I mean, Twitter, yeah. you know, sort of made me a blue check, but then they yeah. sat on my accounts and. <laughs> on my account and you know when there's a twitter purge you know i've lost thousands of followers mm -hmm. at, a, at a time uh then after january 6th you know i really got whacked <laughs> yeah, well, well, did he really <laughs> i don't know what i had to what do does that have to do with climate change that. like why would they <laughs> yeah no i don't know and i you know the washington post you know i like to beat up on the washington post as capital yeah. everything because they're all in the tank for climate and they're always wrong and you know they can't even predict the weather um, and once, once Washington Post called up both Twitter and Facebook and said, well, why is this guy a blue check and why is he still on Twitter or yeah. Facebook? And, you know, and, and Twitter, you know, I guess they just ignored them because I'm still there. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I've, I've definitely been suppressed, but it's okay. I, I've survived. I'm looking to, forward to bigger and better things now. And uh, I think yeah. Twitter you know, should be the Wild West. You know, unless you're you know, threatening somebody, um, you should be able to say what you want. Yeah, unless you're yeah. actively that, breaking the law. Yeah, yeah I, I went through the same things that Steve went through with WhatsApp with that and my mm -hmm. Twitter account and my Facebook account and everything else. And here's the bottom line to succeed through all of this. Just cite facts. Don't get yeah. into don't mm -hmm. get into mudslinging or name calling or any of that stuff. Don't stoop to their level because that's what they love to do. They don't have the facts. All they've got is rhetoric. Just simply keep pushing the facts. And then if someone does say, well, we're going to take you off of Twitter because you've been spewing misinformation, if that fact is backed up by, you know, some peer-reviewed publication or something from NOAA or NASA or whatever, which is what I do on a regular basis, I take that data that they don't want to broadcast 
and put it out there. They can't, they can't, uh, you know, justify getting rid of you because you're citing real facts from real government agencies and peer-reviewed science. Yeah, and the whole thing has been done in this sort of star chamber format. You know, they mm -hmm. they give you like a certain number of strikes, I guess, and once yeah. you've gone too many times, they, like you, you don't know what they they don't tell you what they are. You yeah. don't really know what the rules are. You just disappear, and like you know, Tony Heller really comes to mind. I mean. He does uh, pretty solid work, and he always yeah. backs it up with data. But yeah. and they asked him as soon as they could. Yeah, I mean, we've got strikes against our YouTube account for talking about stuff that's now accepted as, you know, it, it was related to COVID, but it's now accepted as fact. And it's not like they take these strikes back; they just hold them over you forever. It's uh, even as like the narrative changes, the the hits that they take against our opinions don't um we had another question in here unless uh Lynn, i actually saw that you wanted to jump in do you do you have something you want to add to this yeah well i was going to say that one of the di most difficult learning curves for someone coming out of like public education or really anything where yep. you have been raised um since you were going through school to begin with to trust you know the experts or whatever um it's a tough learning curve to find that just because someone has a phd or just because someone is very well educated in a subject doesn't mean that they actually know what they're talking about. Um, yeah. And for me, you know, I, I have a I have a skeptical lean, but I would like to think that someone who studied something for their entire life. You up? Oh, we uh, may have. We I think lost her Comcast just went out. Uh, Linnea, we, we, we lost you at the last... You, Did you, you lose said me for a second? Yeah. Sure. It was, um, for, okay, so yeah. for a lot of people on the climate alarmist side, especially um, certain meteorologists, and um, I hate to use the word climatologist, because from what I understand, it's relatively new to be calling <laughs> yourself that. But um, a lot of scientists, uh, they, they've studied this forever, and yet repeat stuff that you can check really easily and yeah. find that it's fall hurricane numbers wildfires anything like that it's really easy to find this data and yet they'll still say the opposite of what it shows mm -hmm. right and i think it really frustrates people especially those who aren't political like ryan mao who is always um he's we're losing is going on here. saying like you guys don't have the data yeah, oh, man, it's, it's I can't annoying. believe this. I, I we, paid we, for we, really good internet, and it's <laughs> terrible. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I agree with Lene. I've, I've been in this space for thirty years, and I've covered, I've done a lot more than you know, just climate stuff. Done a lot of air quality and all sorts of public health yeah. stuff. And and you know, I, I learned long ago not to have any trust, for example, in the public health community. You know, it's politicized, they're corrupt, and just, you know, I went to a school of public health, and you don't really get the smartest people going there. So they've got lots going against them. And you could see, you know, COVID um, is, was not a surprise to me. Um, you know, we, we have a public health establishment yeah. that's politicized, corrupt, and incompetent. And we saw it during COVID. And it was, but it, it's not new. It's it, they've they've been like this for probably forty or fifty years now. You know, CDC used to be the Centers for Disease Control, and then they got bored with infectious disease and became Centers for Disease Control Prevention and started working about worried about people, you know, smoking and gun gun ownership and this and that. Um, 
and, and they, they, they medicalized, you know, all, all sorts of behaviors. And it's all just been part of their politicized corruption. Yeah. Um, I hope your I hope your connection works. There was unless uh, Anthony, do you have anything you want to add to this? Because there was one more question that came in that I wanted to put up on screen. No, go ahead with a the question there. All right. Let me. Uh, there's so many coming in that I got got to go quick. So let Jim, me. Jim, while he's getting it, while he's getting the question, Jim uh, said I'm being throttled and it's a conspiracy. I know. It's I put, definitely Russia, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I put that on screen. No, I thought that was you should pretty definitely funny. get onto tech support in India for Comcast and get that solved. <laughs> this this is Mike in Texas. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this question actually does come from Jim. Any thoughts on the EIA statement that we have just 25 days of diesel reserves in the United States? Um, Lene, I was wondering if you would want to take that one or Anthony, Steve. Well, I do know so, I saw an article the other day. As long as my connection day. holds through. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, uh, so let's go Linnea until her connection breaks. I'm kidding. Go ahead, Linnea. Linnea. It's already broken. I have some kind of a lag going on. That's pretty clear. But um, yeah, so if if that is the case for real and they're not um, just exaggerating or misunderstanding what they mean when they say reserves, um, if they really mean like 25 days of, of pre-made, you know, ready to go diesel for or military use, because what people don't understand is all of our most important military equipment, all of it is not running on um, electricity from wind turbines. It's run on diesel, bunker fuel, whatever, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be a liquid fuel that um, it's really harrowing. If you start to look at the fact that we are currently in a military engagement, even if we don't necessarily have troops on the ground, um, Mm-hmm. That that kind of thing. Oh, it's <laughs> it's the same thing with the strategic reserves. It's so frustrating yeah. to see them draining this stuff because these yeah. these are put in positions um, so that we have a backup in case something really goes wrong or in case we're invaded or if for some reason there's no fuel getting out. It's not supposed to be used to boost someone's poll number yeah. for the midterms. <laughs> like yeah. it's. Yeah, no, it's for emergencies, not because your policies are destructive yet and people are rejecting them. So you'll do anything you can just to provide a little relief from the situation you created. Yeah. Well, that what was it? A uh, hundred million barrels of oil that they released last like, time. Is that the right number? Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was like that a day. I can't even, to, to be honest, it, they just keep releasing more and more. It's hard to remember which one you're even referencing at this anyway, point. Anyway, but the bottom line is, is that the the what they released out of the strategic reserve compared to the global consumption during any given day yeah. with a drop in the bucket. It didn't, didn't do oh, yeah. anything. It, it was just a political stunt. That's all. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I, I made a, we did our benefit dinner at Heartland last week and I made a video just pulling from a lot of stuff. One of which was a clip of you on Fox news saying like America has all the energy we need. We're just choosing not to use it. Uh, I was wondering if you want to just kind of expand on that idea for our viewers. Well, sure. I mean, we, we have, uh, with fracking, with fracking technology, we basically have unlimited oil and gas. Yeah. Um, we have known reserves of coal that are, you know, for hundreds of years, of course, it gets more expensive. We have nuclear power. Uh, we, have, we have everything we need. I mean, energy is probably the most, uh, you know, abundant, <laughs> abundant thing in the universe. I mean, everything is energy. And so there's plenty of energy out there and there's no need for it to be scarce. Or expensive, and if it is scarce or expensive, uh, the reason for that nowadays is 
uh, pol the politics. And there's some enviro with his, you know, boot on the energy pipeline. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't like to use the phrase all of the above because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's some sort of compromise from the fossil fuel industry because we're mostly a fossil fuel based society. Nothing happens without fossil fuels. You can't build a wind uh, turbine or a solar solar panel or a nuclear plant without fossil fuels. Uh, but you can't run a country without the others. Um, so, but but energy should be cheap, and it you know it's a shame that it's not. And this whole you know once again, it, it's not because of this climate idiocy agenda. And you know if they weren't suppressing the science, if we could debate the science openly, uh, I think that you know the Greens would have a lot less success um, in public policy. Yeah. Um... If no one has anything to add to that, we still have two more uh, songs that we selected for how we would entertain climate protesters, which I'll just briefly put on before we close the episode. Uh, Lynette, Anthony, you got anything to add to what Steve just said? Well, I just sent you a link to an article oh, yeah. uh, about energy executives tell uh, that they're not going to restart shuttered oil refineries in the U.S. And I was we're down to about 170, maybe 171 refineries in the United States. And the number keeps dropping. And part of the problem that we've got there is that putting together or restarting a refinery or even but even more importantly, building a new refinery requires a massive amount of investment on the order of about, you know, in the billions of dollars range to put a new refinery in place. And there's all kinds of roadblocks in, in place in front of it, just like there is with nuclear power, yeah. you know. And so the environmentalists have basically created so many roadblocks that we're faced with basically trying to keep old refineries running. Right. And in some mm -hmm. cases, you know, they have to shut them down because the, the metal fatigues and, and it's not even viable to keep it running anymore because the repairs would be so great. And so eventually we're going to have another crisis and that crisis is going to be on refining capacity. It won't matter how much oil we pull out of the ground if you can't refine it into gasoline or diesel or uh, the hundreds of other products that we get out of oil, you're basically left with nothing. Yeah. Yes, Steve, it looks well, like if, we if have the Earth's, same issue with um, rare earth minerals. Yeah. So if, if there if there is a diesel shortage, you know, by only having 25 days worth of reserves, is, is that a uh, refinery problem? Because maybe gasoline has been prioritized over diesel. Anthony or in Linnea, what do you think? Well, I think in California, it's they've driven virtually every bit of sensible manufacturing and refining out of the state. I mean, there's, they've been trying to shut down the the plant in the Bay Area there. Uh, they are after that right and left. Any minor problem, they turn into a major news story. And, and then, you know, Greenpeace gets involved. And the Sierra Club from downtown from San Francisco gets a press conference to say how bad it is that we have this oil refinery here, you know, in Pittsburgh, which is just uh, up the Delta from San, uh, San Francisco. Um, yeah, they're trying to get the oil refineries shut down in California. There's no doubt about it. They'll probably succeed at some point because, uh, you know, Arco's just simply going to say, what the hell are we keeping this open for? It's nothing but a pain in the ass because of the California policies. And they're going to let it go. And then it's going to cost, you know, they're going to see $12 or $15 a gallon of gas in California, as opposed to the 5 and $6 gas we've seen recently. Right. It's what a crazy amount. Um, all right. So. Whoops, I did well, and, not mean Doug, to. Yeah, sorry, jump in Doug, there now. Yep. Says refineries are old but need three to five years to build more. Not sure we can make a difference now, anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's an interesting point. All right. Uh, uh, so the, for the viewers, we've already done two. Yeah. Did we're, I we're, jump? We're, did I fall off again? We're kind of losing you a good bit right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um. All right, but we got five minutes left. So just before we close, uh, just for the viewers right now, we played two of the songs. We got Lionel Richie stuck on you, and then we have whatever it was that Anthony selected, which was so brutal. Um, I'm just going to quickly play a short snippet of the last two. And if you all in the comments want to say which one you would play, uh, if you could had climate protesters locked in your business, I'm, I'm interested which which one you all find is the worst. So uh, this is from Linnea. We have Dr. Fauci, give us vaccines, a true, a true just jam. <laughs> Aria? Oh, you're not getting it? All right, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, give oh, us vaccines. Help all the people who have been quarantined. We'll wear our masks and we'll have to stay distant. We'll wash our hands and we'll be more resistant. Fauci, yes. Oh man, they might like this. They might be like, "Oh, this is a this is a good song. I love its message." I'm sure that would be very entertaining to those gluons. <laughs> oh man! And then uh, let me pull up the the last one we have. This one was my selection. I thought it would drive me pretty crazy after uh, one or two listens, but here we go. Oh, the Jetsons. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a you know bad intro, but just how how like again and again and again this would kill me. You know, we yeah, were promised we were promised 60, 70 years ago to have flying cars. Where no. the hell is my flying car? I've been waiting for that for so long. <laughs> I I feel like the tenth to twentieth time of hearing like his boy Elroy would just drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have in the comments uh, before we close, just think which one's the worst. Do you have any more suggestions? Throw them in there right now. But uh, outside of that, do any of you have anything you want to add before we wrap up for the week? Nope. All right. Fauci, you're fired. Oh, man. I wish I kind of had a, a Donald Trump, the apprentice clip to, to make something out of that. All of our food was to be pill form. How about the guys singing No Fs to Give? I don't know what that is, uh, Bogus, but I'm pretty sure it's probably it's probably atrocious. It's just. Mr. Sandman uh, so comes from female Casey Royals fan. Um, I know Enter Sandman. I don't know Mr. Sandman. Uh, all right, whatever. I, I, I like these suggestions. Oh, one more. Back to the Future Part Two said we'd have flying cars in 2015. We're just trying to keep like, our gasoline now. Like flying cars, it's like can we just even power the cars that we that we currently have? <laughs> We're going backwards. Um, Fauci will burn in the course. I don't think he'll burn, but all right. Well, uh, thank you all for joining uh, Climate Change Roundtable this week. We're live every Friday. Oh, the Jetsons theme is a great jam, a pretty complicated composition. Great syncopation. Love the two-beat triplet piano. But that, Jim, you definitely copied and pasted that. That's 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 too complex of analysis too quick. Um, but, Stop right, showing yeah. off, Jim. <laughs> I know, right? That's... <laughs> All right, well, thank you all for joining Climate Change Roundtable. We're, we're live every Friday. We weren't live last Friday, but we had our benefit dinner. So we're usually live every Friday uh, covering the the, the not-so-mainstream take on climate change. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining this week. It's always great to have thanks you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anthony, Linnea, thanks for joining as usual. Sterling, who hasn't been here for a while, I believe, believe we'll finally be back next week. So you can all get excited for that. But outside of that, we will see you all next week.